This week's scripture readings give us an opportunity to reflect on the ways that God chooses to change our lives, and importantly, the ways that we choose to react to those changes. When God does something to change your life, turning you around or healing what's broken or providing what you need to make you whole, it's sometimes hard to know how to react. Oddly enough, this past week, in the middle of the week, one of our students in the afternoon poked his head into my office and asked, what's the best way to give thanks to God when something has gone really well? And without even thinking about it for a moment, I said, give money to the church. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, of course. And you're thinking, but is he really kidding, though? <laughs> yeah, mostly, just mostly. I eventually explained to him that I was, in fact, kidding, and that if he wanted to give thanks to God, the best way to do that was through some act of generosity or kindness to someone else. In our first reading, we find this Syrian king, Naaman, who has journeyed to Israel to be healed of his leprosy. There was no more feared disease in the ancient world than leprosy. Anyone contracting it was banished from their town or village, separated from their family, and regarded as someone cursed by God. And for this to happen to the king would be seen as a curse upon the whole nation. Today's passage only gives us the second half of this story. And if you remember the first half, I think that that's important, because in the first half, the prophet Elisha tells Naaman to go wash in the Jordan River if he wants to be cured. And how did Naaman react to that suggestion? He got angry. They had perfectly good rivers at home in Syria. Why should he have to wash in the Jordan? He was expecting flashes of lightning, rolling thunder, special effects. He was a king. and he, God needed to do something extra and impressive for him. But at that point, a wise advisor to Naaman said, basically, look, just do it. If he'd asked something difficult or costly, you'd have done it. So just get over your bad self and jump in the river. And that brings us to the opening of today's reading. He washes and he's healed. And then he has this odd interaction with the prophet Elisha about the best way for him to give thanks for that. Then we come to these ten lepers in the gospel. Again, all they had to do to be cured was to go and show themselves to the priests. This was the ordinary procedure for demonstrating a healing and for being readmitted into the community. And I give thanks almost every day that that is not part of my current job description. You can go take your leprosy someplace else and get it checked out. That's not for me. I don't do that. But when Jesus tells him to do that, he's asking them to do in advance something that's ordinarily required after the healing has taken place. He's asking them to have faith. And they haven't even finished with accomplishing this visit to the priest when they find that they have already been healed. And of the ten, only one comes back to give thanks to Jesus. So what can we conclude from these stories? 
First of all, who did the Lord choose to be healed? In the Old Testament story, it was a foreigner. Elsewhere in the Gospel, Jesus is very careful to point this out about this particular story. In the Gospel for today, ten are cured, but the only one that returns to give thanks is the Samaritan. And you will recall that the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. The message here is, don't be too quick to decide who you think is eligible for God's mercy. God's love is wider than our categories for who's deserving and who's not. Secondly, God's healing is not a magic formula. Did those ten lepers even make it to see the priests? We don't know. The Samaritan didn't. We sometimes like to think that God works some kind of quid pro quo, where like we say the magic words, and then God is induced to deliver whatever it is we're expecting. But God's mercy isn't bound by our notions of cause and effect or by our deal-making. The Lord is perfectly capable of loving us and healing us even when we don't do everything that he's asked. As St. Paul says in today's epistle, if we are unfaithful, he will still remain faithful. Third observation. When those other nine lepers failed to return and give thanks, did Jesus decide to have their disease return as a punishment? No, of course not. God is not bound by our petty need for retribution, nor by our stunted sense of justice and fairness. This is all about grace. Believe it or not, there are still people among us who believe that grace is what God gives you as a reward for being good, and that grace is something that is somehow tarnished by our sins. And and that is completely wrong. Grace is what God gives us for free. That is the very meaning of the word grace. We can't earn it, and we can't damage it. We can choose not to cooperate with God's grace. We can sin. But even our sinfulness ultimately is not more powerful than God's grace. God's love and mercy and healing are gifts that are freely given. And they're given sometimes to people that we wouldn't expect and in ways that we don't understand. When God chooses to change our lives by loving us and healing us, all we have to do is accept it. With that acceptance will come the strength that we need to live up to the grace and healing that we receive. And when that happens... Don't forget to return to the Lord and give thanks. And then show your gratitude by extending God's kindness and God's mercy to someone else.